This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks for taking the time to join us on today. A special welcome to those of you who are listening in for the first time. We're going to resume our Sinister series today where we're talking about traits of today's sinister culture in UX circles. And I'm going to talk about one topic only tonight. I, I don't want to to spend a lot of time on multiple topics this time. I just want to focus on one thing. And this topic came up. It's something that I want to dedicate some time to later, but I just want to talk about it and, and present it as it relates to the sinister culture. And this is going to be something people will find to be a shock as I'm presenting this, uh, especially because of how it, it counters what is commonly believed, which is one of the reasons why it's a sinister trait. And I was reminded of this. It was not previously on the list at all. This is going to be number 28. We still got a little bit of a ways to go, but I thought it was critical to bring this up because of something that I saw in the last few days and something that I commonly experience something I commonly witness, something I'm commonly told. There is a a mindset in UX today where, uh, and I'll sort of sum it up based on something that I thought it really stirred this up. I saw something where somebody said, and this was in some of the, the UX topics that are presented on LinkedIn where they want you to come in and respond to these things. I found out some interesting things about the about the um, top voice on LinkedIn. I'm not going to get into it today. I'm going to try to not get into it, but it, it's really it's it's a sinister trait. Also, when you really think about it, but I, I was looking at a topic where they were talking about portfolios, and someone said that portfolios are the most critical thing to the UX practitioner. That is an interesting, interesting, interesting take. I I find it interesting also how people have a tendency to speak on behalf of other people. I saw that a lot out there in these LinkedIn posts, these answers where people were supposed to be helping folks in the UX discipline I find it interesting that people will present something and they present it with a voice and tone as if it applies to all of us. It doesn't. You you find very few things that do or or at least not the the things that people present as if we're all concerned that that's sort of what I'm getting at, that they they talk as if, oh, this is really a big thing to every single solitary UX practitioner. This is important to all of us. And so when I saw this person say that a portfolio is the most important thing to a UX practitioner, this is the sinister trait that people think it's the most critical currency is the way I like to, to phrase it. I was talking to a group of UXers once and I asked them, I said, if you had to assign 
a, a currency value to the following things. Let me know what you think. What is your perception today? And there were approximately 15 to 20 people that I was talking to at this time. And I went down a list of certain things, and in particular, the things that I remember, the things that stood out to me the most. One was resumes. And they said, oh, that's worth about $5. And everything was supposed to be between $1 and $100, basically, when we went down this list. So folks felt that resumes, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, we need resumes, yeah, but eh, it's not that important. It should also be noted that everybody in this conversation, everybody I was talking to, had less than three years of experience in UX. And so their response, not just that response, but the one I'm about to tell you about, that these responses, they're reflective of the experience level, but they're also reflective of the propaganda that people share about UX in different circles, whether it's in another podcast, whether it's in a post on social media, whether it's in a video on YouTube. And a lot of the people who are behind these mindsets are people who, at least on paper, have levels of experience that new UXers find to be admirable and they're, oh, this person has eight years. I want to listen to them. Uh, I got news for you today. Just because somebody has eight, nine, 10, 12, I've seen people with 15 years. I believe I talked about this in a recent episode. I've seen people with 15 years of experience spew misinformation that should never happen and when people spew misinformation that invalidates what they what they claim to have from an experiential standpoint and we need to understand that we matter of fact please 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 when you if you want to do well in the discipline if you want to have peace of mind you're going to need to qualify the people that you listen to no matter whether whether it's a, a video, a social media post, all the things I just mentioned, a lot of people are going to say a lot of things. Please go and look at how much experience they have. Look and see if they're educated. Look, if they are educated, where did they get their education from? Look at where they have worked. Because I've got news for you. There are people who have worked at these FANG companies, the Facebooks and the Amazons, of the world, these bigger companies, and and then newer UXers, those of us that are more seasoned, don't do this. Newer UXers have a tendency to, when they see somebody worked in a particular place, they tend to put those people on pedestals. News alert, shock. The UX maturity levels at a lot of these fang companies are god-awful. They are terrible. They have terrible hiring practices. They don't know what they're doing from a UX perspective. Just go and use their product. If you really think that Facebook does a great job with UX, are you not using Facebook? Are you not using Instagram? Are you not using WhatsApp? Do you not see these problems? Problems that they've had for years that never get touched. That's a reflection of what's going on in the organization. And this applies to any organization. This, this is something that is critical. Facebook doesn't have it going on, 
from a UX perspective, they don't know how to hire. They don't know how to interview. Anybody who has interviewed with them, even people who have worked there will tell you it's a joke. It's a flat out joke. You cannot put somebody on a pedestal just because they work there. So don't get don't get swayed by someone's LinkedIn profile that says X Facebook or X Amazon or X whatever for that matter. It doesn't matter where you used to work. It really doesn't matter. And then there are some people, they work at startups. Are you, are you able to use the fundamentals, use and apply the fundamentals of the discipline? How much do you get to do those things? And I've got another shocker for you. You can be well-equipped. You can be well-trained. You can really be sound in your knowledge and your UX acumen and go to work for a company that refuses to let you do your job. So when that happens, there's a lot of people out there. I've experienced it. Other people have experienced this. You go to work somewhere, you're only going to be as good as what they allow you to be. So please know and understand that. When you go to these big companies and they don't let you do your job and then try to make, some people will try to make you look bad. Some people will, they will tie your hands up behind your head, tie your figuratively metaphorically tie tie your 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 ankles together and then throw you in the deep end of the pool and then criticize you for not being able to get certain things done. I have worked somewhere before at a Fortune 50 company for God's sake where someone they, they did the same thing. They tied my hands, tied my ankles, threw me into the deep end of a pool and then would critic and then I was still getting the work done. I was still excelling at what I was doing. And then instead of saying, wow, I'm glad you're getting this done. I'm glad we're we're accomplishing something. All, the, all of my internal clients and stakeholders were, were ecstatic about the work I was doing. But the people in charge would say things like, you know, you're, you're getting things done just in time. Instead of crediting you for managing multiple products and projects and then getting things done as you promised. You met everyone's timeline. So instead of that literally happened to me where they criticized me for for getting things done based on it was like the, the phrase the person used was just in time. You get everything done just in time. Nobody's trying to get everything done ahead of time where I got six, seven projects on my plate and I'm juggling them and then I get criticized. So they're either going to criticize you because you're doing everything on time or they're going to criticize you because you're late. And I was late with nothing. So we really need to be careful. We Why do we assume that companies know how to hire? Why do we assume that when somebody has you do a design exercise, that they know what they're looking at? Why, does some, why do we assume that hiring managers know what they're looking for? A lot of companies don't. And so, yeah, when you're looking for a job, you're, you're sensitive about it. You're, you're passionate about it. It's There's a level of anxiety that goes along with it. I've been there. I was there recently. We have to temper things so that we can be as level-headed as possible. We need to be emotionally intelligent in such cases so we don't start describing the wrong things to the scenarios that we're dealing with. And, and some of these people, oh, my goodness. It's just, it's just totally insane. But anyway, I, I went on a tangent. Back to uh, this whole thing about portfolios and on the same line of what I just mentioned. People are saying that 
uh, the story that I was telling you. People are thinking that portfolios are so critical. Again, I asked them, how much would you ascribe to resumes? They said $5. And so then I said, well, how much currency would you ascribe to portfolios? How much do you think they're worth? And and they all agreed $50. They think that portfolios are 10 times more important than resumes. Let me share something with you as a, as a former as a former HR person, as a I'm not a hiring manager now, but as a former hiring manager and as someone who was the the Cyrano de Bergerac to to other managers when they wouldn't hire me for a manager position, I've worked for people who wouldn't do anything without talking to me. So I was the guy in the bushes giving them insights. Uh, I've had to go through that uh, in my career as well. And it's interesting that th- there's these people, again, we, we work on our portfolios. We think that people know what they're looking at when they're resuming portfolios. They don't. Uh, people don't know how to judge portfolios. Uh, they don't realize that UX is not heavily dependent or involved in the presentation layer. So if a UX portfolio is really all about the presentation layer, then don't you realize that that's telling you that person doesn't know that much about UX, at least possibly? If they can't tell you how they achieved that point or got to that point, we shouldn't be talking about considering that person. It's it, it, not to the degree that people are. It It's really interesting. These folks said $50, $50. No, 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 no. And again, as a former HR person, the most critical thing, the resume gets you the interview. The fact that some people are are dependent on the uh, portfolios, and please know and understand, I know what people are doing. I understand all the moving parts. There are some people that their hiring practices are dysfunctional, and they're breeding more dysfunction because people think that their dysfunction is the way things are supposed to be. They're not. If somebody puts your, your portfolio ahead of your resume and they don't care about your resume, uh, you know what, what kind of potentially what kind of crazy scenario or situation you're about to enter? They don't know how to hire. They don't know how to evaluate. Those same kind of people, they don't know how to help you grow either. I, I once interviewed some people when I was a hiring manager. I, I interviewed some people. I was doing some screening. And it was interesting that one of the people that I talked to and they actually got past my defenses initially, but I, I caught it and doubled back, and and this person was no longer uh, considered for the role that we were hiring for. But the person lied on their resume. I should not have even gotten to the point where I looked at 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 the portfolio because they lied on the resume. If you have typos on your resume, you're not going to get to the next level. And, and when you talk about resumes, people start thinking about the ATS systems and because a lot of companies, companies that don't have confidence in their evaluation skills, they leave the screening of the resume up to the ATS systems. That, so now you got people telling you, you got to make sure you got certain words in your resume. So, so there's this big game that's taking place when you remove the human factor. So I'm not going to address that. I'm not going to try to match that. I'm not going to try to comply with it. Because when you get into a situation where you're selected 
by these flawed systems, you, you don't know pain until you get hired for a company that has no idea who you are, what you bring to the table, and, and really just trying to fill a seat and really doesn't have any scruples or any, any intelligence with regard to the topic that they're dealing with. You don't know what it's like yet, apparently, to have a job and lose sleep because of that job, to, to end up in, 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 in some critical healthcare situation because of what you go through on your job. Folks, this stuff is real. Some people don't like me talking about stuff like this and shame on all of you because apparently you haven't suffered these things yet. I have. I don't want people to have to go through it. it, it it's insane, insane, insane stuff. When you you go to present, I actually was was being considered for a job before I found my my current position. I was I was talking to somebody about a role with their company, and I let them know that I had applied and was trying to get some just some insights about what was going on. The person said, "Hey, yeah, you know, if you just so you know, we don't have anything that's at a manager's level, and I don't care about that. Some people have to have a manager's role because they have ego issues. I just love UX, so I don't I don't really care uh, about that. It, it's nice to have it, but I don't. It's not a must have." to be in that type of a situation. So the person got back in touch with me one day and they said, Hey, we're, we're still considering people. We're still looking to hire. So when you can, I know you already applied, please send the link to your portfolio over. And every time somebody says, Hey, can I get a link to your portfolio? Can you send me the password to your portfolio? And I talked about that recently. I know some people cringe about passwords. The people who cringe about passwords have never had their 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 portfolio work stolen. I have. I'm going to have a password on mine. If somebody doesn't like it, that lets me know I don't need to work for those individuals. Because I know that's a red flag. Uh but at any rate, when the person told me uh requested the link and password if necessary to my portfolio, I actually didn't respond. And I thought about it for about three days. And then I finally decided, you know what? And I sent him a note. I'm going to withdraw. I do not want to get into a visual design competition. And, and for those of you that don't know, portfolios become discriminatory vehicles. If you have a lot or someone has a lot of experience in UX and you go to present your content, People who are newer in UX, it's already a visual design competition. And I won't even get into the history of portfolios. We'll save that for when we dedicate ourselves to that topic alone. When you send your content, somebody like me, if I send my content and somebody else sends their content and it's more new, it's newer, the people who are reviewing the portfolios already don't know what UX is. So they're already looking at things from an aesthetic perspective instead of from a functional perspective, instead of from a thought leadership perspective. And UX is a thought leadership position, period. So all somebody's trying to do in cases like this, the people who think that that portfolios are this critical, they, they don't realize here's this critical thing, quote unquote, critical thing that you're dealing with. And now it's become a dog and a pony show because it's all about who has the best looking content. It's not about who knows how to actually do the UX work. So when you have companies that are interviewing you and they have low UX maturity levels, 
They're not looking at what they should be looking at, which is a disservice to the organization. It's a disservice to the team. It's a disservice to all of the candidates for the roles. Do you think people are paying attention to this, though? No, they're not. And I talk about this kind of stuff and have been all the time, and I'll get blown off because I didn't talk to 5,000 people like McKinsey or something like that. Folks should be able to recognize truth. It shouldn't have to do with anybody's, the color of my skin. It shouldn't have to do with any of these other weird factors that are completely irrelevant. Hiring in UX is broken. I did uh, an episode, a series that was dedicated to that. It's broken. It's a shame. And when people put too much emphasis on portfolios, you are not going to arise out of that. When the dust of that situation settles, you are not going to come out of that hiring the right people in many cases, doing the right things for your team, and God help you if you hire 10, 15 people just like that because nobody knows what they're doing. And and many of those instances, because they're hiring like that, that is a red flag that the people in charge of the UX team have no idea what they are doing either because they would know that that's not how you hire. I am so excited, and I've told this story before in, in, in my current role. There was no discussion about portfolios. There was discussion about the work that needed to be done. If you can't go into an interview and talk about the work that needs to be done and all you're doing is doing a song and a dance with your portfolio, then you're faking it till you make it anyway, and that's unethical. But the excitement point I wanted to mention is this. I have worked all the way up to Fortune 50. I've worked Fortune 25. But it's interesting that The companies where I enjoyed my job the most, the companies that had higher UX maturity levels, somebody's not going to like this, but you know, and I don't really care. (laughs) If you listen to me at all, you know, you know how I am and where I'm coming from. It's, it's interesting that none of those companies, none of them wanted to see a portfolio. During the, during the interview process, not a one of them, every company where I had to show a portfolio, except for one, every company that I've worked for, where I had to show a portfolio, those were all the best places I worked. And the ones where I did were all the worst places where I worked. And actually, I think there was a second one that I just thought about. Actually, that was, that was a terrible one that I, one, one where I didn't really go over my portfolio. We just talked about the work and they were able to understand what I brought to the table because of that. So one time that that did happen, but for the most part, what I have seen, and and then I take my personal experiences and, and I sort of put that in a database in the back of my head, if you will. I talk to people, I find out what they've experienced and I, I take all of this information that I gathered to come up with these perspectives to gain an understanding of what's really happening out here. What's the pulse of the discipline? This show was called The World of UX because we're looking at everything associated with the discipline and presenting it to help people, to usher them to a point of success that they otherwise would not have access to. That's what I'm doing on this show. That's what this is about. And and this whole portfolio thing, it's sad how people and in this in something in this in that LinkedIn place where they were talking about this, we're supposed to be sharing information with people 
to help them grow and, and act like that they're they're presenting this thing. Oh, portfolio is the most important thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. When I'm a hiring manager, I don't care what's in your portfolio. I'm looking at other things. And 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 then it will vary depending upon where you are at your level of experience. For newer UXers, for entry-level UXers, I'm not looking for the work in your portfolio. And then that what they haven't produced coming out of boot camps, I'm not looking at you haven't done anything. Who cares? And, and if you're an, an entry-level UXer, you're going to cost the company for about the first year to a year and a half before we start seeing a return on our investment. So I'm, I don't care what's in your portfolio. What, what in the world is in there anyway? What, some class project? Do you understand? Do you have a, the discipline? Do you have a passion for the discipline? Do you have a, a grasp on the fundamentals? Do you understand the fundamentals? Are you ethical? How, how emotionally intelligent are you? None of that stuff's going to be in your portfolio. Not really. So, I mean, there's a way to show your emotional intelligence, but if you haven't done anything, is it really going to be there? You're going to demonstrate it in our interactions. If you're putting on a front, if you're lying, it's going to show up. And, and, and right there, we're going to write you off. I'm no longer interested in that individual. It is a lie. It is a, a, a bald-faced lie to tell people that portfolios are the most critical currency to UXers. It is is just a lie. It's not true. It it applies only in certain places. And 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 as I th- told you that story, that situation just happened not too long ago. I, I'm not I'm not going to get into a competition with other people from aesthetics because I can. T- matter of fact, I just remembered another situation similar to that where I was competing for another role and. They said I didn't move to the next level of interviews because they liked the story that the other person told about their research. But interestingly, all they did was go down a checklist. I already knew that. They went down a checklist of how to do research. When the project that I was working on, I engaged in six to seven different research methodologies. I also managed, restored relationships between the stakeholders and the users because it was an internal product. I managed the UX maturity. I did so many different things and they actually opted for the person who was checking boxes like they just came out of a out of a boot camp or something. And they they preferred that over somebody who really knew this stuff like the back of their hand. So this this brings to mind another situation. Now I've talked to people who've been in situations like that regarding their portfolios and they felt that because they didn't get the job, somebody else was selected uh, or maybe they just got some feedback from somebody and you got to be careful of feedback. If you get feedback from people who don't know what they're talking about and you follow it, you're going to be in a worse position. Number one, number two, a lot of times people, because they don't get the job, as I was mentioning, they don't get the job, but somebody else is selected, you, you know, 10 different angles, 10 different stories, 10 different things come up. Uh, 50, 100 different things can come up. And then you walk away thinking you need to change something. And 
you end up changing based on what that particular set of people did. Then you go and you deal with another set of people and they've got a, another 50 different mindsets and quirks and idiosyncrasies and nuances. And you can't keep changing because of the feedback, the, the, the tainted feedback and responses that you keep getting from people. What are you going to do? How in the world are you going to just keep changing Every time something doesn't work in your favor. And when you change, if you had left it the same, do you realize if you had left things the same that you probably would have gotten one of the other roles instead of changing? Because their use cases and their needs don't match every other employer that you talk to. So if that's the case, you can't go around just willy-nilly changing your portfolio. This is one of the other Reasons why this is a sinister factor, because people think it's the most important currency. That's one problem. But then they turn around and then do all these other things that really amount to dysfunction when you really take the time to look at it and, and make things worse. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage. You're, you're doing things that are counterproductive and you want to advance. You want to be successful, but the improper response takes that potential away. So, folks, this is going to be short today. I told you, one topic. A portfolio is a necessary evil. And I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but I will right here. A portfolio in UX is a necessary evil in that people began requesting portfolios from UX practitioners because they thought that, well, these visual people, they bring portfolios. So what we're talking is UX people, let's look at this. Somebody thought it'd be a great idea to look at someone's work in UX. Now, does that make it bad? Not necessarily. And I know that might sound contradictory to some. It's okay to be able to show some of your work, but the problem is if the people reviewing the work don't know that we're not the aesthetics folks, and that if you're showing your, your process, you're telling story. That's really what a portfolio was about. Telling the story of how you do your work. Telling the story of how you go about approaching the work. Telling the story about the impact that your work has had. This is the kind of stuff that should be in a portfolio, but that's not what people want to see. And so they want to see pretty pictures. Well, we don't, uh, um, uh, workflow and, um, some some rough sketching or some work that was done. I, I did work for one project that I thought about. I conducted a SWOT analysis workshop. Have you ever done a SWOT analysis workshop? I have. And, and we were able to get all of this information from the, from the subject matter experts so we would have a nice sound foundation that would help us to move in the right direction with the work we were trying to do. Okay, so this is wonderful. But do you know that that's not pretty if you put that in a portfolio? So I could put that in a portfolio. It really shows my thought leadership. It shows the innovative approach to the UX work. But people don't want to see it. Does that make it wrong? No, it doesn't. It actually, they're wrong. Uh, but that that's part of the problem. So it's a necessary evil in that there are people who do want to see your work. You need to have a, an approach to your portfolio that's going to help you illustrate the things that I just mentioned. You have to be 
someone that will stand your ground. I am not going to present a portfolio that's going to, going to, again, present a dog and pony show because UX is not about a dog and pony show. So if somebody wants to see a dog and pony show, uh, there, there's going to be some issues. We have to learn how to be able to present our work and deal with how people are going to respond to it. If they, if they, you tell a good story and you show the impact you made and you represent yourself in the best possible light and they don't pick you, I know some people don't like this, but so what? That's just the way that it plays out. And so until people start thickening their skin for the interview process, you're going to need it for the work anyway. Might as well have it during the interviewing process and stop fixing things that aren't broken. That sinister nature associated with portfolios will continue. We cannot let ignorant, (laughs) misguided people dictate our tempo and our trajectory. We can't do it. And today they are. That's the bigger part of the sinister nature associated with portfolios is that people are are making demands that don't match the work. They're making demands with regard to portfolios that don't match what UX brings to the table. And I'm glad to know that there's some people that I I know a lot of people, uh, not a lot, we can't say it. That probably wouldn't be fair to say that. But I do know a nice volume of people that refuse to share portfolios. New UXers can't do that. They simply can't can't do that. But I do want you to know it is happening. And but I'm thankful that there are companies that don't even ask because it's it's a poor representation of the team. It's a poor representation of of everybody. It doesn't do anybody any favors when people demand portfolios. But I'm not telling you not to have a portfolio. Matter of fact, you're gonna have to have one because you wanna have one for jobs that you're going to apply for. You're going to have to deal with it, but just be aware. It's not the best scenario. It's not the best situation to be in. And you could very well be misjudged because of your portfolio. Be aware of the pitfalls. And remember, it's, it's a, it's a necessary evil. And so we need to treat it as such and then go forward. And hopefully more of you will start encountering job-seeking scenarios where they are not asking for your portfolio. And and design exercises are not too far behind portfolios. Those are ridiculous as well. Psychological tests should be against the law. Companies who give psychological tests during interviews should be sued, just flat out. It, it, It shouldn't be allowed. It's ridiculous. I had an interview once where somebody presented a psychological exam, the equivalent of one that was like five, six, seven questions, and, and the thing is, that person had just started doing UX the week before I interviewed, so they shouldn't have been in the interview anyway. And then they, <laughs> they get in this scenario where they're not a psychologist. So anything that they would do with regard to the answers to the questions by any of the candidates is amateurish at best. That is unethical. So companies are just doing a lot of ridiculous things. It is what it is. We're going to have to deal with it. And so strive to be as emotionally intelligent as you can be. Deal with these situations as best you can. Make the most of it. Uh, but, but again, please know and understand, portfolios are a necessary evil. 
And that means we need a strong strategy. Personally, each one of us as a committee of one, we need a, a strategy to deal with it in our own professional exploits. If you are our own travels, uh, I have my, my strategy. Uh, you're going to have yours. Some of our strategies will be the same. Many of them will be different, but regardless of what you decide to do, a portfolio is a necessary evil. And I hope to never have to present a portfolio to anyone again, uh, because dealing with the NDAs or uh, closing and with this little one funny note, uh, I, th- I find it funny. Do you know that people who are the most dutiful in their work, I repeat, the UXers that are the most dutiful, D-U-T-I-F-U-L, when we do work and we accomplish, we finish, we're done, we're not usually thinking about our portfolio. We end up moving from one project to another and we're so busy thinking about the organization, so busy thinking about another reason that it's 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 foolish. So busy thinking about what we're accomplishing, and then want to we're, we're moving on to the next thing, and we get off of one thing and on to the next so fast that we simply don't think about. Man, I wish I had added that to my portfolio. I need to get this stuff to my portfolio. We don't think about it. I've talked with a lot of people who have this same mindset. So. Our best work. Let me see your best work. You're not going to see anybody's best work unless they've only done four or five things and then three are the best. You're not going to see the best work. So when people bring that up, it's laughable. It's downright laughable. So understand all of these issues associated with portfolios. Govern yourselves accordingly. I wish you all the best uh, because we have to keep playing the portfolio game uh, because that's just how things are wired in today's UX circles. So until next time, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, wishing everyone all the best. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.